out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another week of They Came to Play. And what a weekend of footy it was. It isn't quite over yet. But nonetheless, we shall discuss what we have seen to date. Hello, Tess Armstrong. Hello, Danny McGinley. G'day, Lemo. How good is it? Uh, the Monday after a win. It just feels good. Do you, how do you guys feel? Oh, oh. Oh. This is so undignified of you. You just yeah. I'm not gonna take this kind of nonsense. I mean, technically if Toby Green, if you just like if he didn't play, we won. So I feel good about that. <laughs> you make a you make a very good point. How does uh, that mean uh, Lemo won if Tom Papley didn't play? <laughs> yes. Oh yes, it's he all you know, I don't know if I'm stating something here that of course everyone knew. But the team that kicked the least number of points won every game. Now, oh. well, actually, the, the actually Melbourne kicked less points than Brisbane and and, uh, and lost. But for every other game, the team with the least points won the game. That's fun. Is there a correlation there? You think, Lima? Are you about to make a big call on our on our Fox oh, Footy type segment? Yeah, here's my call. All right, the, the straighter you kick the more likely you are to win. Whoa, whoa. Okay. I'm sorry to blow minds only a minute and a half into a podcast, but there you have it. Wow. I'm so shocked, Limo, that, uh, I mean, I have to agree with you, and I also now have nothing to say about Adelaide Essendon. So that was my one (laughs) talking point. I might have to get get off this podcast after two minutes and call my coach because we were – 6-14 6-14 um, on, on Friday night against the Giants. And so that does seem to be the problem. I think I've nutted it down. Yeah, and uh, the Gold Coast Suns, six goals, 10 against uh, Danny McGinley's Western Bulldogs on Thursday night. <laughs> I, I like that. Danny McGinley's Western Bulldogs is a good new team name for him. I think finally I'm getting the recognition I deserve. <laughs> this, is, this is it. I'm, I will only refer to them as Danny McGinley's Western Bulldogs <laughs> for the rest of the season. Sounds good. So that's that's my takeaway from the weekend. And while we're at it, St Kilda, uh, that's the most accurate kicking in the history of AFL-VFL football uh, coming from a team who couldn't hit the side of a barn from one foot away uh, two seasons ago. And that's a big insult coming from Limo. He grew up on a farm. He knows what he's talking about. He's got his agricultural uh, bona fides. Yeah, although, Daddy, I did call it a barn. We never called them barns. It was a shed. But anyway, if you last year, if we'd done this podcast this time last year, what would have been um, more remarkable to you uh, that we were living through a global pandemic, or that St Kilda were very accurate at goal? I think St Kilda. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Tess. I'm with you. Right, so we need a name for this part of the show where we where we have the hard hitting takes. Like you know, in the in Fox Footy, they've got the lab. Is it? And yeah. uh, uh, what, what do they do on Channel 7? I'm sure they've got, uh, you know, McDonald's Presents or a- Amy has the, the ideas room. What are we going to yeah. call ours? Well, they're hard-hitting takes. So where would you where would you store hard-hitting takes or where would you, 
I love that we're having our brainstorm meeting actually on the podcast. Yeah, this is, this is good. <laughs> this is lift the curtain. Let's get it out there. Uh, where would you keep your hard-hitting takes? Where would they be stored? In like the third draw down or something like that. Oh, that's good. The third draw down. That's where we are. Third draw down. So what we do at the start of each podcast is we open the third draw down uh, <laughs> and we get out some hard-hitting takes. Bang. I love it. Let's let's launch it this episode. Yeah, all right. All right. Done. Third draw down. TDD. Right, while we're here, can I? I've, I've got a hard-hitting take that I've wanted to share with the group. Okay, you know how there's no money uh, being splashed around by companies at the moment, so we are getting the same TV ads over and over mm-hmm. again, quite like the guy driving around the Macca's drive-thru uh, with his baby oh. in the back seat. We've all seen yeah. that. It makes no sense. What if there was another car in the drive-thru? And we get it, dude. We get it. You want a coffee, you've got a baby. And any parent who's been through that knows just pull the car over. Yeah, just it's the, the engine over. revving that keeps the baby asleep. I mean, if your baby wakes up because the car slows down, what happens at a red light, dude? Is he running <laughs> is he running red light to keep that baby asleep? Because to me, that's a little counterintuitive. Yeah, and he's got New South Wales plates, so he lives in Sydney. There is no way he is driving around without hitting about five red lights a minute. Are you, are I think he's driven exactly? to Victoria because to keep the baby asleep. He's driven down the highway. Oh, okay, that makes sense. for the environment, though. Like, I would, I would used to put my kids in the pram and walk over, like, really rough roads and gravelly areas. Long way to go yeah. for a coffee, isn't it? Yeah. It, anyway, it, that, it really is. That's not the ad I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the fastest talker and the fastest texter in the Amy ad. Mm. Uh, clearly, they've tried to make both the, them finish talking and texting at the same time. But the guy finishes by going, yep, nice one. Cheers for that. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Okay. But he's putting in all these extra words that he doesn't need to say. He could have won the race. Although, Danny, we don't know, but maybe that's how she signed off her text as well with all those um, additional farewell uh, you know, pleasantries. Wow, Lemos just had a hot take on my hot take. This is good <laughs> third draw down content. Now you're part of the legal agreement with Amy that you have to end with lemon lemon squeezy or something. <laughs> I'd like to think he was going to say easy peasy Japanesey, but he realised that, you know, because she's Asian, he stopped himself from using a racial term. I think he's growing as a person. Good on him. It's a very mature ad, actually, now that you say. <laughs> it could have been wildly inappropriate. I've only uh, just got um, KO recently and I've been truly thrilled. As you will know, I'm an ABC type and I don't, I'm not used to ads. And so ads usually give me the ears, particularly because you see the same one over and over and over again. However, on KO, if they run out of ads, they just play the, um, the music. Like we've yeah, I like that. And I love it so much. It's so peaceful. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish that could be an opt-in option. I'd pay a little bit more for my subscription for no ads but just the nice music. Tess, are you, the, are you the type of person, Tess, that back in the day would just stare at the test pattern from midnight till 6 in the morning? <laughs> yes, I am. I love it. Do you know what KO should do is just play um, sounds from a footy match, like just some random like hot pies, cold drinks, chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. And on that, has anyone ever walked past Amy Park during the day and thought, yeah. oh, my God, is there a fight in the car park? Yes, I used to walk there on my way to work and uh, every time I feel like there'd be people cheering me on. It was yeah. a I was like, good on you, thank you. Nice because time. if you don't know what we're talking about, they play sounds of the game, like actual games from inside Amy Park through the speakers outside Amy Park all day, every day during this the week. Is- 
this is the, the, the what we call the bubble dome, the rectangular stadium in Melbourne. Yes. I didn't yes. know this. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's similar to when you go over the uh, William Barrack Bridge and there's like singing and beautiful music and sounds and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it is just soccer. It's soccer hooligans. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, uh, uh. I know you're angry because you chose Watford as your team last week and they were already relegated. <laughs> Pointed out to us by Megan from Bay- Braybrook, listener, yeah. got in touch to Thank remind you. Also, isn't that the most, uh, like, obvious thing that's ever happened, that the team that I chose got validated immediately? I'm so yeah. proud. Um, <laughs> but I do also think that the crowds at Amy, the imaginary crowds at Amy Park have been fined and by the government for being, for being too outrageous. So it's very on, on brand. It really doesn't sound like there's any social distancing going on with those no. crowds uh, that are coming through the speakers at Amy Park there. So are they all of our hot takes before we get to the game? <laughs> have we got any more hot takes? I think we should get to the game. I've got plenty during the actual games. Oh, <laughs> All right. right. Okay. Well, should we should we do this chronologically? How do we want to operate today? Let's go chronologically because there's too much footy at the moment and the round is not over. I feel like I'll get too okay. confused. Let's go back to Thursday night when Danny McGinley's Western Bulldogs <laughs> were victorious by five points and kicked less behind than the Gold Coast Suns. Yep, I've, I reckon uh, this is the start of a new rivalry between the Dogs and the Suns. We've got our thing with the Giants, but uh, I am disgusted by what the Gold Coast Suns uh, put up. Ooh. They had so many more inside 50s and lost. That is our material. That is what the Bulldogs do most weeks, and they have just stolen our move. Not cool, Gold Coast. Not cool. So you're so evenly matched. My husband was calling it Captain Planet versus Captain Pollution, which for fans of the um, 90s cartoon, that will make a lot of sense. For others, not so much. That's but the Planeteers? Yeah. Um, but Captain Planet comes up against Captain Pollution as the big bad, and um, I can't work out which of you is Captain Planet, which one is Captain Pollution, and I couldn't work out either who I was bar- barracking for. I was like, it was such a roller coaster. If they had that tracker worm on my support, it would have just been all over the <laughs> You're a swing out. voter. I was a, I'm a yeah. swing voter. I was a bit of a swing voter too, Tess, because a part of me, you know how I've always said I want a Brisbane-Port grand final this year? Yeah. There's just a little part of me that kind of wouldn't mind a brisbane Gold Coast Grand Final? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we said that last week. A Q-Clash granny would be the best thing for football. So I was kind of edging into – I was leaning into the Gold Coast Suns a bit during this game, but they just couldn't make it happen. No, they've got – they really are putting their fans through the whole proper footy experience. They've not been finals for 10 years. They're having these heartbreaking losses, uh, injuries to beloved players. Gold Coast fans are proper football fans. (laughs) <laughs> it's very true. It does remind you that defenders win the game, right? Because your defence at the end of that game, Danny, were unbelievable. And Libba and Bonds were so good. I just thought, oh, yeah, if you have that rock-solid group down back, it's just they couldn't get through. It wasn't yeah. I've got another hard-hitting, uh, hard-hitting hot take. Easton Wood uh, is really relishing not being the captain and he's just able to focus on his game and he was back to his old ways, took it, took about five intercept marks before the first bounce. It was amazing. Isn't it funny how the captaincy seems to have a real impact on some footballers? Yeah, a bird. When, I mean, what really, and, you know, I don't mean to be rude here or to take away from anyone's contribution as captain of a football team, but... Captain of a cricket team, I get it, because you're making decisions all day, every day. Yeah. It's captain of a footy team, really, what, after the toss, what, what's involved? 
what are you doing? It's true. It's like, um, you know how people are introverts and extroverts? Like when I finish work, I hate when people call me on the phone. You know, like I really, yeah. I, I hate yeah. talking on the phone. I would much rather text. I have no interest in small talk. Like when people call, I just desperately want to say, what do you need? Like, because no one's calling just for a chat anyway, but people do. And so I don't think I'd make a very good captain because I'm not really, I don't really care what's happening in your, in your life unless it's a like serious note and I'm a good problem solver. But if you had to do as a captain like a general ring around and like chat with everyone, I just think that would just boom my head in. Oh, the small talk would kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Bob seems like a good small talk. I feel like he'd be really polite. I can vouch that Bont is a spectacular uh, small talker, even to the point where uh, he had a long chat with my son, who was, I think, uh, about four years old at the time, and they had a long chat about who their favourite wiggle was. And so (laughs) the Bont is very good. Danny, don't leave us hanging. Oh, Uh, the Bont's favourite wiggle is Emma, just like like my son's and my daughter's. Emma's everyone's favourite, although I'm a Simon man myself. I think he gets uh, underrated. Okay, what what colour is Simon? Simon's the current red wiggle and he's got the opera voice and in all of his songs he looks a little bit dead behind the eyes and I like that. Simon right. seems too old to be in the Wiggles. Like even though I know the original Wiggles were probably the same age, but he kind of seems like on Triple J when people are like 40 and they're like, hey, dudes, check out this. No, uh, yep. so, no, you're too old. And so that's how I kind of feel about Simon. Sorry. No, no, that's I absolutely think- right. Um, Captain, when we saw the Wiggles live, Captain Feathersword was doing some uh, Pratt Falls and he pointed out that he was in his 60s. So oh right. Yeah, was some good gear from Feathersword. Is it the Dorothy still? I, I think, well, apparently Emma used to be Dorothy before she became Emma Wiggle. Oh. Hey, didn't Emma, wasn't Emma, is she married to another Wiggle? She Not anymore. They got a divorce. Like, and oh. he's remarried one of the other dancers. I know. It's, it's oh, like Fleetwood a... Mac. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait for this documentary. This telly movie is going to be spectacular. <laughs> it's going to be a belter. Uh Anyway, that's our Wiggles update for the week. <laughs> uh, I think that's a regular segment now as well. Wiggle watch. And I think if we can go back to the uh, Thursday night's game, I think for the first time in his short career, uh, the highlights in Isaac Rankin's hair outshone the highlights in his game. Yeah. He kicked one for 11 disposals, uh, but, man, he's, he's still exciting to watch. What is it about this year and debutantes kicking really good first goals and, and being highlight reels? Oh, Isaiah Taylor. I know. It's outrageous. I think it's just because all bets are off. Like the, I think if you're going to the footy and you're going to debut in front of, like, 50,000 people, it must be so intimidating, especially because you're coming up from the lower legs, but maybe because they're playing in front of similar crowd numbers that they would have played in in their under-18s and, you know, state leagues. Maybe it's just not as intimidating. That's a good theory. I like that. Yeah. Annie? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it too, Tess. That's, that's I think, let's run with that. I'm going to share that theory during the week as if it's my own. <laughs> ah, yeah. I'm making a good theory. We've heard your Triple M segments, Limo. We know Tess and I write all your gear. Make <laughs> no mistake, I would have stolen something at some point from you two. Uh, so anyway, good on the Western Bulldogs uh, last Thursday night. Moving to uh, fifth on the ladder. Sorry, you're playing Richmond this week. Yes, the Katie Brennan Cup. Oh. <laughs> uh, very exciting. And where is that game going to be played? Aren't we playing it at, at Carrara? Which we've been playing very well at. 
But you two, you have two, I suppose. Everyone's been playing well there. Is that what's happened? We, what are we? We play, we've won our last two games there, but we also got spanked by Carlton there. So we're not. It's not a happy hunting ground just yet. If we if we knock off the Tigs, then that's a happy hunting ground. But for now, it's just oh yeah, it's all right. We have a remarkable record there, and you know, Danny, when we don't play you at the Docklands, I think that we're in with the chance. That's <laughs> true. Hellhole is not open for business at the moment, and so maybe, maybe, maybe it's an evenly matched competition. But we also still have no players, and so you know, jury's out. <laughs> yeah, who's who's injured for you guys for for? Because we're playing on Wednesday night. We're playing in like you know forty eight hours from when we record this. Uh, yeah, we are. We're, well, that was the thing when we lost on um, Friday night, which you know we'll talk about in a minute. But everybody kind of said, oh, you know, but it doesn't matter because you'll play again in like 30 seconds and so you have a bit of time to redeem yourself, which is all well and good if you, all your players are coming back, but they're not really. So I think Trent Cochin might come back, but we're missing David Asprey down defence, Josh Caddy, uh, Shane Edwards, Basha Hawley, um, Nank and Dion Prestia, quite a solid group of our best. But apparently Basha Hawley is going to go up this week and so he'll have to spend two weeks in quarantine, but at least it means he's got he comes back eventually and Shane Edwards still no baby in the baby watch and so um he's still you know a number of weeks away uh, but Tess despite the fact you're missing all those players guess who's favorite on Thursday on Wednesday night <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not even making it up this time you're clear favorites on uh uh, according to the uh, the bookmakers, you are clearly Like all the bookmakers currently are in ICU with coronavirus and they've just got the interns <laughs> doing the odds. I'm like, get a grip. Like on Friday night we were so, we weren't the favourites, even though I thought we should probably should have been against the Giants and clearly they were, the interns were right. But this week, I don't think after the dogs have been playing quite well and we've been play, playing quite average. That is what they're saying. Well, let's talk about uh, Friday night. Six goals, 14. Boy. 14. I mean, come on. Who was your biggest culprit on uh, on booting behinds, just by the way? Well, everybody was a culprit. Jack Rewalt was a culprit. Tom Lynch, if only he would boot behinds and have an opportunity to kick goals. He's just, like, not able to get the football. Dusty was actually back in amazing form but still a bit of a culprit. Uh, Dan Rioli was a culprit. They were all culprits. It was actually just... Well, actually, let's identify your three worst culprits. Shy Bolton, up one goal, two. Tom Lynch, zero goals, two. Yeah. And Marlon Pickett, zero goals, two. I know, but everybody, almost everybody, it was like, um, you know, when everyone gets a prize. It was a bit like that because Camden McIntosh, who's a defender, he got a behind. Jack Higgins got a behind. Um, Who else got a behind? Jake, Jake got a behind. Um, yeah, they all got a bit of a go at it. But then, like, the GWS, they had quite a few behinds as well. It was kind of not – it wasn't a great showcase for the goals. But Shea Bolton was unbelievable. His talent is amazing at the moment. And Dusty was back in form. And so I still felt like if we'd kick straight, this is my third drawdown, we would have Good enough. Hey, Tess, though, Brent Daniels for GWS kicked zero goals for. I know. It could be worse. It, all, it always could be worse, guys. They were so – they just honestly – does one player make more difference to a team than Toby Green makes to the Giants? Like everything feels much more volatile when he's there. And despite, you know, background dislike of Toby Green over the years, he actually is amazing to watch play football. Can I, can I say, though, on Toby Green was amazing, by the way, five goals straight. That is a 
solid performance. Uh, but according to uh, Supercoach points, first mentioned right there, um, Josh Kelly and Stephen Coniglio had better games. Yeah, I find that. I don't know. Oh, Josh Kelly was amazing. Every time I looked up, he was tackling one of my players. It felt very claustrophobic to watch. Mm. Their pressure was so unbelievable. And we don't really play very well at that stadium, just FYI. You know I'm a stadium curse type person and we do not play well at Giants Stadium. Um, do you play well at any stadium that's not the MCG? I said it before, we play well at Metricon. So suffering oh, okay. right. night. And we also play well at the Gabba, and we also play well at the SCG, and we also play well at Adelaide Oval, but only against Port Adelaide, <laughs> and only. <laughs> so just um, there's a okay. We uh, if you can fill that list of Travis Ald at the AFL, I will. He'll uh, sort you out in the um, next round of for rounds twelve and on. Anyway, <laughs> it was quite uh, disappointing, but yeah, as as I said. We, we just stuffed it up. If it's close but you've kicked got accurately and, like, you know, it's too bad, too sad. But when you feel like you were the better side but you just they had one really good player who kicked five zip and you had every player decide that it would be fairer if they all got a point, it doesn't make for very good football. <laughs> hey, Danny, how do you feel when you see Toby Green have such a great night out? Uh, you just, maybe it's the dad in me, but, uh, you go, well, I hope he's happy and I hope it just makes him a bit more content person and, uh, he behaves himself in future. (laughs) (laughs) That's the dad in you. I feel like the dad from Family Ties. Yeah. (laughs) You sounded like him. (laughs) Yeah, we needed a little jingle afterwards, but also it was a really nice tribute to Shane Tuck. He was a great Richmond man and a really delightful human being. And so it was a very sad week. And also... Stephen Cornelio was, was lovely after the game. He's like the best captain. I feel like he'd be really good at small talk too. So all round, <laughs> on Stephen Cornelio. I, ne- I never knew uh, Shane Tuck, but there's a lot of love for him around the place, Tess. So he was clearly, you know, very well liked in amongst the players. He was just a lovely person and he was there when my dad was the manager of the Tigers and he was just always lovely to be around and always had time for everybody and he was kind of before Richmond came good he was the reason you'd want to go play football he was kind of your barometer of how you were feeling he cared so much about Richmond winning and us playing football and he was such a good leader just on and off the field for all the other players so it's just yeah a, a beloved person Although I did read in some of the um, tributes to him, one by Jake King, apparently Tucky was a terrible person to share a room with because he went to bed at 9.30 and insisted all the lights be off and then woke up at like five and started doing push-ups and would wake you up. (laughs) (laughs) He was a cultural leader. He was trying to implement some good culture. (laughs) It does indeed sound like a terrible roommate. (laughs) Right there. Hey, let's go to Saturday, guys. Uh, North Melbourne played Carlton, and already Carlton are making a liar out of me. I stuffed up my stat earlier because they kicked more behind than North Melbourne, and they won. North Melbourne were very accurate. They were the straight kickers on the day, uh, but Carlton won the game. Nine goals, three to nine goals, ten. Well, it's because you can't get a stat on brain snaps. North Melbourne were clearly ahead in that. Did you see um, in the first quarter, there was a bit where Jamie McMillan accidentally handed the ball straight to David Cunningham, who gifts it a goal. And the great thing was, friend of the show, Chelsea Roffey, was the goal umpire at that end. And even she looked apologetic as she awarded the goal. (laughs) Right. 
Have, I mean, what was going on with the the manhandling of Patrick Cripps that just yeah. North Melbourne seemed to, to get away with all day? And he's been charged for wrestling. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's the most victim-blaming uh, MRO charge I've seen in ages. But to be honest, I kind of loved it a bit from North because they actually came out with a bit of, like, fire and passion and looked like they really wanted to win, which they haven't looked like for ages, that they genuinely wanted to win and they were all doing it for each other and all of that kind of thing. I thought that was quite good. I do have to apologise to Carlton people because early on it looked like they had it completely and utterly sorted. You know, North Melbourne weren't really in the picture. And I was on the phone to a Carlton person, a Carlton fan, and he wasn't currently watching the game and I said, oh, well, don't worry because you've got it, <laughs> you've got it sorted. North Melbourne, nowhere, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden North came from absolutely out of the sky and um, made a real run for it. So I felt extremely guilty. I was watch- I was watching it with the most, like, churning stomach. I just thought if they win from here, it's on me. So luckily they didn't. And so right. business as usual. Uh, they did not. And Carlton, uh, North Melbourne didn't lead once, as it turns out, the, uh, for the whole day. But... Uh, Gee, where does this leave North Melbourne? Is, has anyone called for the coach's head yet? Has that happened? <laughs> I know he's barely 12 months into his job, but surely someone's called for it. Surely Kane Corns has called for it. That, isn't that what he does? <laughs> but there was that moment that just made you want to crawl into a hole with uh, Pittard coming in and pushing over Mark Murphy. And then, of course, Jared Pollack didn't get his shot that would have put them in front at three-quarter time. That was the sort of thing that when you see it and they kept replaying it and it just made me feel so desperately unwell. Yeah, no, they are, they are struggling, North Melbourne. Are they are they questioned without notice for the team? Are they tanking for draft picks? <laughs> well, I, I don't know about the draft picks, but I think we can unequivocally say North aren't good. <laughs> no, there's no upside, guys. No upside at all. North are not good. And... This is not the year to tank for draft picks because the draft is going to be wildly compromised. So just do it next year. Just try and win, for goodness sake. Give your people yeah. something. There we go. There's oh, a third drawdown hot take. North Melbourne, try to win. <laughs> <laughs> Abandon your current plan and try to win. Hey, good news for North Melbourne. Now they're playing the Crows this week. So well, I when we do our sneaky Patreon, I say sneaky, it's actually fine, but it's, it's all above board. But when we do our Patreon episode with tips, I'm going to premise that I think Adelaide will win and they will beat North Melbourne this week because they were so close to beating the Saints and beating the Bombers that I feel like they've got it, they've been building and they're going to beat North. So sorry, North, but it'll have to be, unless you play us the week after. Oh, no, you've already played us. Fine. It's the week after. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I thought the Crows were pretty good uh, on the weekend. Do we know who the number one draft pick is going to be this year? Uh, is there a standout player? We could talk. Jamari Ugal Handlin, but uh, due to the academies, I think he's locked in for the Bulldogs. Oh, right. So it's not the Ugal Handlin Cup this weekend. <laughs> it's not. Not yet. When the Crows and North Melbourne, okay. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll try and work out who the number one draft pick is going to be so we can future clashes down the bottom of the ladder. We can call it the whatever cup, uh, <laughs> yep. much like the Cruiser Cup. Hey, uh, let's move on with our uh, fixture on um, yeah. what was the name on Saturday. I'm going to find it here. Let's do it. Oh, there it is. Port Adelaide, St. Kilda. Oh, wrong. Oh, Sydney. And Hawthorne. The Tom Mitchell well, Cup. The, the Tom Mitchell Cup. The Buddy Franklin Cup. 
The Academy Award goes to Tom Papley. What a disgraceful, shocking display from that individual. How he could think that that is appropriate, to pull the wool over the eyes, as if the umpires haven't got enough to worry about. Does he practice this stuff or come naturally to him? Has he been to some kind of, did he go to WADA? How, where does it come from? I think it's a bit of column A, column B, like with Daniel Day-Lewis, he's been playing the role of a pest for quite some time, undercover. And I actually think yeah. it's quite remarkable, Tom Papley, because if people don't remember, at the end of last year he wanted to go to Carlton in a trade and that was blocked and so he had to play on the St. Kil- uh, with Sydney. And I do feel like with a lot of people they could be like, um, I won't mention it but here but I will, but Joe Danaher, that maybe they, we never see them play for Sydney again and they're kind of weirdly injured for the whole year until the draft comes up again. But with Tom Papley, he's played amazing football and yeah. that is kind of awesome. Plus the week before we had the leapfrogging goal celebration from Tom Papley and so he's been really building in his performances. And then on Saturday the stage was set. He was so entertaining. I couldn't. Stop watching him. And I had to secretly, because obviously you guys know I'm in another podcast with all Hawthorne people, and so I just had nowhere to turn to celebrate Tom Papley. I thought if I just, he's just unbelievable to watch. And his goals were um, that oh, running Tess, one. Tess, where he's Tess, running- Tess, if you ever find yourself in that situation where you want to celebrate Hawthorne losing, Sister, you have my number. I don't like small talk on the phone, though, Danny. Um, I just got something else. Oh, it'll, it'll be a five-second call. It'll be mostly just us grunting. Yeah! <laughs> All thoughts suck. Yeah! Running goal where he's pounding the ball into the ground. It was stressing me out because I'm such a bad bouncer of the ball. It's like, he's going to lose that ball. And I saw yeah, Taylor did the that's one of the notes I've got here. Papley can't bounce. He bounces it like an NBA player who's been handed a footy while they're doing a promotional trip to Australia for Nike. <laughs> he was. I agree, but it had been a little dewy and a bit wet. So mm. I think he might have been trying to get some extra bounce out of the ground to cater for the dewy surface. I felt like you were better than expected, though, Limo. I feel like the TV cameras, I'm not going to lie, I feel like the television networks, had their talking points already written, and despite the actual game and how it actually felt, they just went with, well, Hawthorne have lost again, and so it's all over. But I kind of thought that you played pretty well, like well better better than the weeks before, and you kicked goals. And Yeah, there was certainly more desire than there had been in the last few weeks, and I thought, I thought the performance actually wasn't that bad, to be honest, certainly in comparison to the previous few weeks. But you're right, Tess, because I was reading headlines that were saying, Another demoralising loss for Hawthorne. It's all over for the Hawks. The rebuild's got to start. And all of those headlines, I reckon, were written before the game even started. Yeah, Yeah, but I enjoyed writing them and I think I make a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Danny. Your coach, uh, Limo, had quite a lot to say after, after the game again. But I'm going to say that people can say whatever they want about whatever they want. So he's like, he obviously said, um, that, you know, alluded to the fact that Tom Papley was an actor but and it did a flop. But I will say Paul Pouopolo has been the king of the flop for about 10 years. Oh, so I was like, ah, you no. are joking me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a backhander before I back him in because then, of course, John Longmire was so offended that Alistair Clarkson had dared spoke, spoken about our team members like that. And then Andrew Pridham, the chairman, had to get involved and say it was like beneath 
he's standing as a coach in the game to say stuff like that. Why why is Sydney so precious? So the other week my coach had a bit to say about Sydney because they were flooding and they did make it an unattractive game and then we had to apologise in the week. I'm like, what is going on? Why do we have to apologise to Sydney all the time? Precious, please. Just get over it. You know what? It's The fans love it. It adds a bit of colour. It's what we like. I like the Sicily and Papley having a bit of a fight. And uh, another note I I put down here, Sicily fights uh, a bit like, you know, in the episode of The Simpsons where Bart gets an elephant and it ends with Homer just headbutting the the elephant expert guy. (laughs) That's how how Sicily fights, like Homer pretending to be an elephant. (laughs) You know what? He's a lover, not a fighter, and he's a gentle soul who's been judged (laughs) honestly. Uh, and because of disgusting umpiring in a game against the Western Bulldogs a couple of years ago. That cost you a final spot, just reminding you of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you didn't, yeah. Now I've got this bloody, I've, I've gone into a sweat now, just reflecting on, and, you know, and an extra bit of detail, it was umpire number 32 who was officiating a, for us, against, against us, in a Sydney jumper on the weekend. Tess, you're the expert on COVID-19. Can you catch it just through rage? (laughs) No, if you could, I'd be a goner. (laughs) Oh, don't even get me. I just see that number come up and I go, that's the guy. And you know what? Hawthorne have been copping it hard since Clarko spoke out against the umpires. I think you're just getting it evened up for the four years that you got handed everything. Yeah, I think it's just a shock to the system. Like when you haven't had it for a long time and then you're part of the competition again, um, it can be quite upsetting. And I don't want to take that away from you. It is upsetting, Lemo. It's just a bit normal. It's an AFL conspiracy to keep us out of the finals this year. That's all I'm saying. The final note I have on this, by the way, Lemo, you know how Tom Papley is annoying to you? Yeah. That's how all of us felt about Sam Mitchell. Oh, leave Sam Mitchell alone, one of the... One of the kindest men to ever pull on a jumper. <laughs> it's a great game. What did he ever do wrong? Just uh, nothing, nothing. Moving on. Now, sorry, Lemo, who have you got next week? Uh, we are playing. I'll just let me have a little look-see here. We've got Carlton Ooh, Thursday night. That's good. That's a fun game. It is. It's going to be interesting. Carlton go in as favourites to this one. They are a few spots ahead of us. Carlton are playing well. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a good game. Carlton are very good. I still can't get my head around that. Like when they were beating North so easily in that first quarter, I was like, oh, yeah, Carlton are good. That's right. Are we going with it? Are we saying Carlton are? No, Carlton are good. Yeah, yeah, we'd say that. I'm not going to say anything because I nearly ruined their whole win on the weekend, so I'm just staying out of it. (laughs) Steering clear. Hey, let's go to um, Saturday night, guys. Port Adelaide and St Kilda. Cracker. Well, can I just open this up by saying one thing? I finished the weekend with one order of business for my week, <laughs> one order of business, and that was to get rid of Robbie Gray out of my super coach team. He has become a liability and is way too expensive for the sorts of rubbish returns he is giving my team. He was incredibly disappointing on Saturday night. Seven touches, one goal. Oh, 35 just, dream team points. I know super coach is different. Yeah, just horrific. So bad. Well, the only other point I had on this uh, was for you, Tess Armstrong. Um, St Kilda's long sleeves are all white. I don't know how long that's been going, but I remember the good old days where the long sleeves for St Kilda were all black. 
Uh, Tony Lockett always looked good in the long sleeves. Uh, but the white, it's not doing it for me. White is very, it's, it's, you have to have a specific look to be able to pull off a long sleeve white top. And I feel like no one at St Kilda currently has that look. But also Jake Carlisle has always worn the long sleeves, which I'm quite fond of. But I feel like they should be striped, like black, white, like they should go back to pinstripe, like kind of, kind of 1920s beach outfit like a lot yeah of beach, like that are you talking like hoops around the arm or are you no, talking no, like no 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 long like vertical, vertical like down arm. Arm. all right we'll give it a go so i would really like that if that is a thing that anyone can do for me i will piece the mug and say that i did think that st kilda would win because they had the practice run the week before uh, and that they were up and about and i just am obsessed with how Brett Ratton makes all those players feel because I have never in my life seen Zach Jones smile. Like I didn't even know he could smile. And then after the game, Brett Ratton went over and said like one word to him and he was all like he was like a giggling school child. Like, what is he what they all love him so much. It's so nice. And I just feel like that is the secret sauce. They want to win for Brett Ratton and it's very hard to overcome that. And Tess, take your mind back to, I think, might have even been Rats' first week at the club. Remember he got, I can't remember who the player was, but if he kicked a goal, Rats was going to pick him? Yes, that was fun. And he kicked and he hit the post and then he said, I'll give you another shot. And he kicked the goal and then the players went nuts. And in that moment I thought, you know what, Rats is already he's bonded this team. He's brought them together. He's brought a bit of rat and magic. He's got them. And Bradley is so good and Dan Butler's playing so well. I will say a certain AFL journo on the weekend tried to posit that Richmond fans were carrying on about Dan Butler. And I'm like, well, no, there's not one person that's not super happy for Dan Butler because he wasn't getting picked last year because he wasn't playing well last year. And now he's playing amazing footy. His set shot kicking was never a strength. And on Saturday night, he just blew me out of the water and I was so happy for him. So go go Dan and your mullet and go small forwards for the Coleman, even though Josh Kennedy has something to say about that. Uh, they were just so exciting. And Paddy Ryder was the difference. And after the game, him saying, oh, I just really miss playing here, but it was so nice. I just I love Paddy Ryder. He was, uh, he was very likeable post-match. Uh, but, Danny, was it you on Saturday night that pointed out that the way Richmond fans are talking about Dan Butler, you'd think they'd given up a Dustin Martin? <laughs> No, that wasn't me. I, I, but I am cynical of uh, Tess saying that no Richmond fan would ever be uh, would have, would only say, have nice things to say because Richmond fans, even though they've had you know a bit of a premiership uh, dynasty, they're in a golden period. They're just so easy to poke. They're so easy to poke. Uh, I just pointed out on the they came to play Twitter account that if. Uh, the Cats win tonight against the Dockers. Uh, Richmond will be ninth. And they, the outrage that poured out of them, that that joke is not funny and they're not offended by it, but they just, they protest a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> I they really do. About that. This isn't about Richmond. It's about the mighty Saints who are up and about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the mighty Saints are up and about and I'm just loving them. And you have a look at the ladder. St Kilda in third spot. They've got Sydney this week, a struggling Sydney Swans outfit. Unless um, you played them into form, Limo. Well, yeah, we may well have. We may well have. It's so, it's so tight, though. It's hard, like GWS are 12th, and they're only one game behind St Kilda sitting third. So And Essendon are sixth, but with less points than the Gold Coast and Carson. Like, it's just, um, oh, no, wait, that's wrong. But, yes, they, 
Can you check that out? I was looking at the wrong column. Are you looking at the ladder upside down? That's how yeah, I've been. I was looking at the ladder upside down. <laughs> and I thought they had more percentage and then I was like, no, they don't. Hang on, one thing I was like, look at Geelong's percentage. They're in I know they haven't played yet, but they're in 116. They're ninth. They're in our spot. It's a wild ride. Well, what are they doing in your spot? Uh, Frio tonight, uh, Geelong, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later, but I'm really hoping Frio get over Geelong tonight. <laughs> Uh, is my hope. Uh, well, let's move to the uh, to the next game. Let's go to Sunday and uh, have a look at the Crows and Essendon. Well, I was cheering hard for the Crows here, but they just couldn't get the bloody job done, could they? They really did everything they could to lose Essendon, uh, and yet they still uh, they still couldn't. It's uh, and also this is we pointed out a couple uh, last week I think it was that no player named Ned had been in a winning side since like the nineteen twenties. Ned Cahill or K do we say Cahill or Cahill or I think they uh, once they say Carl. Yeah, it, it's spelt like Timmy Cahill, the soccer player, but uh, if you pronounce that in the proper Irish, you'd say Cahill. So I really don't know. Anyway, Ned, uh, he finally broke that drought. Congrats, Ned. Well done, Ned. He was great. He was exciting. Did a little dance after his first goal. He did a dance, and he also has Prince Charming hair. So I was like, there's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, the more Neds, the better. <laughs> I was, yeah, like you, Lamo barracking so hard for the Crows at the end of the game. I couldn't believe it because I thought, on how weird is football that the Monday night previously I had been barracking so hard against the Crows and for the Saints, and here I was mere days later and I'd completely changed my tune. I just have no, I've no range at all. And the Bombers were great. Jacob Townsend was great. All of them were kind of up and about. They seemed really short as a team. Like they didn't have many like tall players. It just seemed to me quite remarkable that all of the Bombers players are kind of around about Andrew McGrath's height. They all kind of look the same. That's my takeaway. We need to get onto the stats to see. Uh, we need to see the height stats. Oh, uh, you know, okay, here's one for uh, for the statisticians out there. What's the smallest difference between the shortest and tallest player oh. that's ever run out in a 22? That's pretty good. Uh, just on uh, the dumb things we asked the audience uh, last week, um, we were talking about uh, players needing numbers that uh, correlate with their names because we were saying that Hoskin Elliott should be 31 because so, it sounds like Baskin Robbins. Uh, uh, someone on Twitter pointed out that uh, Joe Root, the English cricketer, has the greatest of that because he wears number 66. Oh, of oh, course. Fantastic. Old Root 66. And uh, Zach Tui should wear number two. Yes, yes, that's in there. Uh, also, our friends at Useless AFL Stats put up great stats uh, last week. Um, round 7, 2003, St Kilda wore the lowest ever combined jumper numbers for a 22-man side in AFL history. So if you add up all the numbers on the backs wow. of players on the ground, it only it went up to 288. Wow. I love these stats. I get that that's completely pointless, but I love it. And uh, do you want to know the highest, Limo? So what the lowest was two eighty eight. Yep. The highest, I think it's going to be Hawthorne. Just the way you said that, then I can just feel it in your voice. Um, it's not. Uh, I've all of a sudden lost interest, but I'm going to say it's uh, three three hundred and eighty eight. Six hundred and seventy six. Oh wow! And it, okay. it makes sense. It was Essendon in twenty sixteen. You know when they had all those uh, top up oh, players. Of course, yes. You had uh, Grimley wearing fifty four, Simpkin fifty two, Polkinghorne fifty. Fun. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, good, good gear. Good gear. That's a great that site. Boat. Useless AFL stats. BT's been getting onto them, using a bit of their their stuff. So, get off our patch, BT. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he listens to the podcast, so I'm sure this week he won't be referencing uh, them at all. I'm looking at the stats here, and can I just do a shout-out to Jordan Ridley, who's been excellent on Supercoach. Uh, been a real find. Tess, should we um, start doing Supercoach just to or, – or, nah, actually I've lost I interest just by asking that question. And I've run out of time, so I will never commit properly, so probably not. Yeah. Hey, but the Crows, um, I think we're all agreed that they could well win their first game this week against North Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, okay. they will win a game. I said last week they might not win a game for the season, but that was obviously wrong. They'll do. They'll they'll upset someone, probably the Dogs. <laughs> no, Richmond. It'll be Richmond. Oh, yeah, of course. Brilliant. Uh, well, let's go to the West Coast Eagles in Collingwood yesterday. What did Nathan Buckley say post-match? Uh, he said that they played their role as the Washington Generals. And it was like they were playing the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. I, I'm interested more, Limo, in uh, what he said at halftime because it was a pretty close game up until halftime. Did he give, like, the worst speech ever? Did he give maybe, like, the opposite of very famous football speeches? Was he there going, don't do, think, think? <laughs> you don't well, have to inspire me. Nah, you're all right. You're all right. Hey, uh, maybe the the yabby jeans. You know, he's got the pay the price, and he just said, "Nah, nah try get the cheaper yeah. shoes." Right, because uh, it was pretty tight. What was the uh, margin at half time? Getting it up here. Well, it was two goals basically, under two, eleven points, and then Collingwood kicked one more goal for the rest of the game to eleven, yep. one to eleven in the second half. Disgraceful. It was, um, but but really fun to watch. So fun to watch. I couldn't help but just be thrilled with what was unfolding. But also, I will say, I keep saying every year that this game is of no interest to me because it's the two Collingwoods, the Collingwood of the West and the Collingwood of the East, but I still love it every time they play and I watch it religiously. So I've got to stop saying that and talking it down, but maybe it's like a self-talk thing because Josh, like all of the big fight, Josh Kennedy is unbelievable at football. He's such a joy to watch because I think I was a bit um, scarred from Richmond's goal kicking on Friday night and I just couldn't believe that every time he lines up, he kicks the goal. It's like, what? What's happening? Yeah. What is this? Crazy he, guy. <laughs> he, um, what is, have we agreed on this show? It's seven goals straight, by the way. Very accurate gear from him. Have we agreed what a bag is on this show in the modern era? A bag of goals. Oh, we did talk oh, about this. Has it changed with shorter quarters as well? Oh. Yeah, I think um, it's, a bag's probably four now. Yeah, because I think back in the like twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, I think it had to be minimum six yep. to be a bag. Because fives and fours were being punched out every weekend by all manner of players in the little league. But now, maybe even four. I think you might be right. Only fours a bag. Yeah, mm. I suppose in these tough times, you can only afford four. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh Peter is going down to a tiered thing, so maybe it's gone from six to four, which I think makes sense. Yeah, actually, you get a banner now for playing your 86th game. <laughs> uh, and can we just, from Josh Kennedy, applaud the accuracy of their other goal kickers? Jake Waterman, two goals zip. Oscar Allen, three goals zip. Uh, Josh Kennedy, of course, uh, seven zip. Jamie Cripps, one zip. And Jack Darling, one zip. And Gaff, one zip. Tim Kelly, one zip. Are they doing, this is third drawdown material. Here we are, go. They, are they doing goal kicking practice? 
<laughs> because a lot of people in the past. No, actually, how they've unlocked the code is to not do goal kicking practice, and it turns out it keeps better for them. <laughs> A whole lot of things. That was you suddenly found a third draw within the third draw. <laughs> I just thought this doesn't seem accidental, guys. I think they're actually practicing, which I laugh about. We all laughed, but I think that's actually true that other teams aren't practicing because people have talked about it in the past about how there's only twenty minutes left over in the week to do goal kicking practice. There's not they actually don't do it and at the other clubs. And so maybe we should be looking over West paying attention over there and then having a look at how their accuracy uh, has been working out. It looks pretty good. And they, uh, they were amazing. Nick Nat is so good at footy. It's just awesome. Uh, he is very good. Andrew Gaff had a uh, blinder yeah. as well. And the yeah. Eagles now are second premiership favourites. They have really shortened those odds. Obviously, Richmond's still out by a country mile, but... <laughs> well, Richmond remain unbackable. Before we move on to another game and move away from Richmond again, um, just last week we spoke about Nick Holman being a journeyman and there was a debate about whether or not it was an insult or a compliment. Now, the Facebook page, I think, agreed with me, Daniel, that it was an that it was a compliment. One person yeah. said insult, but I'm choosing to ignore that just for now. Um, and so I'm introducing a new segment called Journeyman of the Week, and I want to give it to Darcy Cameron, who was playing for the Pies on the weekend. Now, he, he was like, he's so confident the second he's come into the team, and it's because he's a journeyman, guys. He's gone from WA, he's born in WA. He went to the Swans, played one game for the Swans, kind of went into the distance, you know, off into find himself, and then came to Collingwood. So that's three states, which I think is journeyman territory. Well, I see your journeyman and I raise him, Tess Armstrong. A man debuting for the Hawks on the weekend won Keegan Brooksby, if you don't mind, from South Australia, our Keegan Brooksby, uh, was rookie listed by the Gold Coast Suns where he played 14 games. Then he went to the West Coast Eagles in Perth where he played no games. And now he's at Hawthorne for a total of four states. So truly a journeyman, our Keegan Brooksby. Mm, okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. You know, the champion of, uh, if, if that's the definition of journeyman, uh, would be, if we're going to switch codes, be uh, Teddy Sheringham, who is a uh, English uh, footballer, soccer. He started his career at Millwall, uh, had a couple of loans at uh, Aldershot and Deer Gardens. Then he played for Nottingham Forest, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester United, back to Tottenham Hotspur, Portsmouth, West Ham United, Colchester United. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten club changes. <laughs> All right. Well, he, well, he wins. Then the okay. over. More clubs than Tiger Woods. Ah. Let's move on to our final game of the weekend. Uh, well, our second to last game, the final game that's uh, that's been played. Uh, and that was the D's were very good against the Lions. They couldn't quite get it done. I, I was uh, texting a couple of uh, a Lions mate and a Demons mate about this game. They were both pretty confident going in. Then the Demons fan was blaming the umpires. So I thought, you know, we, we, we're a bit of Lions apologists here. I thought, I'm going to go for the Demons just for, just for a quarter. I'm just going to try and just will the Demons on to help my mate. And, uh, yeah, I'll admit the umpiring was pretty kind to the Lions in the third quarter. But the, the unforced errors that the Demons bring about themselves, I, I lived for 30 minutes as a Demons fan and I never want to do that again. I want to pretend that that 
doesn't exist. I do not want to live red and blue. I want to go back to my red, blue, and white privilege. <laughs> you said, see, Danny, you say that, but did you look at the last quarter? I did. Brisbane, five behinds to Melbourne, three goals, one, as they nearly threw the game away too. Yeah, um, it was the third quarter that I was being a Demons fan. Oh, right, okay, they're just the third quarter. They are jumping off the bandwagon and they came back to their own in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the <laughs> <jinx>. <laughs> <laughs> third quarter time. Once again, similar to North Melbourne, Carlton, it just did not really even look like the Ds were really there. And then I looked up a couple of minutes later, I was doing an online quiz, looked up and I couldn't believe it. And I know the Ds fans are probably right to feel hard done by by that review of the mark because it completely destroyed the momentum and they had all of the momentum but it is very tricky in hypotheticals to think that you would have won because we've we've all read fisted forever the demon block i don't know that if that if that if they are able to play on that they that they win i'm not sure that that actually happens in the demons world so maybe it's better to blame the umpire for now than to blame yourselves when you don't when you don't win yeah i think blame the umpire then you can just maintain the momentum the people- ever talk about the norm smith curse like the demons haven't been good since they sacked norm smith is that a, that's a thing isn't it <laughs> i had i had not heard that i'm gonna look into that for next week i reckon Please there's do. something there bring the history danny that's you yeah that's yeah. that's a win for next week uh is it 1964 is that their last premiership yeah 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 they got the longest drought now 64 and st kilda 66 of course yeah um can you find a similar curse for st kilda too please danny uh, well, it's it, if anything, it's just the 1966 blip. The rest is all just cursed. Oh, right. So they're cursed from when they joined the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. That seems hard to overcome, but sure. But still, that's our challenge to Danny for next week, just to flesh out the curses, respective curses, of St Kilda and Melbourne. Oh, right. I mean, Hawthorne are still going through the Luke Hodge curse. Long may it rain. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, did any Richmond players retire at the end of last year or get delisted or anything? Dan Butler. Yeah, Dan Butler curse. It's just haunted the Tigers. Uh, the Alex Rance curse. Oh, there we go. Alex Rance, Brandon Ellis, Dan, Dan Butler. There's quite a few of them you could work Alex with. Alex Rance did some Jehovah's Witness uh, black magic. Oh, here it is. We'll get the full details of this next week from uh, from Danny McGinley. Hey, and, uh, what about some tips for tonight's game, Geelong and Frio? Who do we? Oh no, on, goodness, on... guys, we might we're probably going to be listened to by people after this. So I, I liked our choose your own adventure ending wow. from last okay. week. Hey guys, can you believe that Frio kept Geelong goalless for four quarters? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you're right, Lemo. They did keep them scoreless, and I've always said it's because Reese Conker was back in the team. The the Conker cuddles, the defender, and I've said yeah. all along, no Jack Stephen, no Geelong. He's been a massive influence for his couple of games there, and they just couldn't do it with him. What do you think, Danny? Well, I just I knew the Cats would win. They're just so good. And I predicted this, that Justin Longmuir would have a rough time as Dockers coach. And uh, he does look like Mark Ruffalo, who played the Hulk. And the fact that uh, Justin Longmuir, in his rage, he turned green and started smashing stuff in the coach's box. It was beautiful to watch. Limo, Danny's going Cats. I'm going Dockers. I mean, we did in the past because this has all already happened. Uh, yes, uh, and I am all over the Dockers. So uh, let's uh, let's see how accurate we all are. Tess Armstrong, thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Lima. Go Tigers against Dad's Dogs. Go Hawkers.
Go dogs. <laughs>